was already in the boat, so they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. Highways, waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care what we are going that we are going to drown. When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, quiet down. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we do count it a privilege to be in your presence this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you're working in our lives, even now. Even now, Father God, you're working, though it may seem sometimes that you're not. We know that you're still in control of every aspect of our lives. So, Lord, I ask this morning that you would use this vessel of clay to speak to your people what you want them to hear. I thank you for what you're going to do before you do it, because you're faithful. You're always faithful to us, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. By a show of hands, how many of you are going through a trial right now or or difficult situation in your life? challenging situation. Either you're currently going through a storm in your life, and if you're not going through one, eventually you will. Life is full of challenges, full of storms, and storms are never comfortable. Because oftentimes, storms brings damage, damaged houses, damaged property. And oftentimes, when there's a storm, you have no control over the storm. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I remember as a kid, my mother used to always say, whenever there was a bad thunderstorm, she would tell all those kids to to sit down and just be quiet and get away from the windows. Now, I don't know if if lightning ever came through windows and smashed it, but that's just what I was always told. But, you know, it's one of those things I thought I'd bring up. But but the point is, is that when 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 there's a storm, oftentimes all you can do is just kind of wait till it ends. Because you really have no control over the storms. I have to be perfectly honest with you according to the word of God because there are times in your life, in fact, more times than not, that you can't just simply pray the storm away. We spend a great deal of our time in life trying to avoid problems and trials and yet they somehow find us, don't they? No matter what we do, we we find ourselves in a situation The storm comes, and a lot of times they just come. And you're kind of 
kind of in this situation of, gosh, God, what, what do I do? Or sometimes you even question God when you're going through it. God, why, did, why, does I, why do I have to, have to go through this? Um, God, what is it, uh, you know, did I do something wrong, perhaps? Or, God, did I, I, did I miss something? Because, because there, there's some folk out there that kind of, you know, that, that we wanted to tempt, or tempted to say sometimes, well, the reason you're going through what you're going through is because there's something that you did wrong. That could be the case in some cases. But in a lot of cases, it's not the case at all, such as it was with Job. Job didn't do anything wrong. I mean, no, he went through a storm. He went through a real bad storm. And so these storms come in our life. But the question is, how do you respond when you're going through the storm? Because, see, a lot of people, what they do is, is they, they kind of lose faith in God, even if they don't come to a, play, a point where they walk away from God. Their faith level takes a hit sometimes. And they wonder, perhaps, you know, um, if God is really with me. God, are you, are you really there? Because everybody knows that God has control over the storms. God can stop stuff. You know he can, right? God can make your life a bed of roses if he chose to. He can fix it so that, that you don't ever have not one problem. That's coming. But look at the neighbor and say, not now. <laughs> not now. You talk to those folks over in Japan. I can't imagine. I, I think, I mean, we live in a blessed land. We, I just could not imagine to, to one day you, you, you're playing with your kids, you're shopping, and, and, and life is normal, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you lose everything overnight in a moment. Think about it. I saw images of people walking around looking for their children. I saw images of people standing by their homes that was no more. Because there was this huge tsunami that came without warning and washed everything away. And you got to know that when you're in the thick of the storm, you got to have your anchor in God at that moment. Because hear me, I don't, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I preach the truth. Storms are coming your way. So if you came this morning and you was hoping that I would preach that it never happened, I'm sorry. You are going to have to endure a storm because Jesus put it this way. In this world, you will have tribulation. John 16, 33. He said you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said it's a possibility that some folk will never, ever have trouble. No, no, no. He says in this world, you will have trouble. Mark 5, 35, I believe, says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. That means that just like the folks out there who don't know Jesus have to experience a loss of a loved one, we do too. That means when the folks out there who don't know Jesus lose a job, we do too. 
That means the folks out there that get sick with cancer and experience all the bad stuff that come with that, we go through it too. Now, now I know that there's sometimes God in his sovereignty, he can divert a storm, and sometimes he does. But when he does, he only does it for his own purpose. But there's a lot of times that you're going to have to go through it. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to go through this. I can do without it. How many know you got some stuff in your life? I can do without this. But there are some things in life, storms in life, where you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to go through it. Because Jesus put it this way. He says, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. All right. So what does that mean for me? That means that no matter what storm I go through, no matter what problem, even if I get knocked down for a moment, I know in the end I win. (laughs) Do, Do you hear me? You win in the end if your perspective is right. Because what happens is, depending on your perspective, it will shape how you will respond in the in the storm. Because I don't want to give you a false sense of security that is not based in reality, that somehow that you can be just a real good Christian and these things can avoid you. No, 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 no. They still come knocking on your door, too. But here's the thing. Jesus said this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, what that means is that, that, that when you're going through it, you got to know that Jesus is right there with me in the storm. Amen. Sometimes we think, well, if he was with me, then why didn't he fix it? Why didn't he move? I don't know all the answers to stuff. I don't know why people that serve God, love God, pray, do all the right stuff, and their kids still die. I don't know the answer to that. But I know Jesus cares. And I know that he gives grace in times of difficulty. Grace so that you can endure. Grace so that you can overcome. Because every storm that you go through in life, if your perspective is right, you'll come out better than when you went in. Do you hear me? You will come out better than when you went in. Let's, let's talk a moment about God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. We, we think about God's sovereignty. People say that. People, you really need to think about that because I don't believe we, we really think about it enough. But if you, if you look at, and I gave you the wrong verse, the diver, but if you look at Romans chapter 11, verse, verse 36, and you turn there for a moment. Romans 11, verse 36. Listen to this. For everything comes from him. Are you there yet? Now listen to this. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended, watch this, for his glory. Do you not know that your storm sometimes or oftentimes is for the glory of God? 
You remember a man that was sick one time and the Pharisee thought that it was some sin that he had done. And, and, and Jesus said, no, no, this is for the glory of God. Jump on over, if you will, to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one, verses 16 through 18. Listen to this. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ also, the head of a church, which is the body, he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Now, watch this. I want you to stay with me for a second. Let me, let me just lower this. I want you to listen now. Everybody understand that, that God is sovereign. So that means nothing that happens in my life. Nothing. Okay, you think about your problem, your storm, whatever you're going through. Whatever you're going through, watch this. It had to first come through God. Did you hear that? No matter what you are experiencing in life, God first had to say, okay, let it be. Because if God is sovereign, that means he controls everything. Either he's sovereign or he's not. But see, the good thing, isn't it good to know that when you go to God with a problem, and you say, God, oh, God, I, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. And, and, and imagine if God said to you, oh, I didn't know it was going to happen either. How would you feel about that? You're like, no. God knows everything. He's all-knowing. He's every player. He's every place all at once. Job but when he went through what he had to go through, the devil had to get permission before he could do anything to God's people. Now watch this. So that thing that you're going through right now, I want you to think of your problem. If God is sovereign, God said, I want you to go through it. That's, some of you are looking like, I don't like that. Because if he's sovereign, he can control it. He can change it. God can stop what you're going. He can stop it right now and say, you know what? I'm going to just make this just, just, just the way you want it. And if he doesn't, that means at least for now, for whatever reason, his own purpose, he has decided to let you endure what you have to go You remember the children of Israel in the wilderness. God delivered them with a mighty hand. I mean, they came out of Egypt rejoicing, happy, excited. God had blessed them. And all of a sudden, a few days into the wilderness, they ain't got no water. The kids are crying. The babies are screaming. You know moms are about the baby screaming. When the baby screams, mama want to feed baby. The kids are crying. And they start saying, they start complaining. Moses, why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here to kill us? 
You should have left us in Egypt. Now, remind you, they were, cre- they were crying. They were oppressed. They wanted out of Egypt as quick as they could think about it. But now they're going through something because they now have to wait on God. Stuff ain't readily available to them. So now they say, well, did you try to kill us by bringing us out here? What's wrong with you, Moses? Yeah, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Bible says that God let them go hungry. That he might show them that man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God let them go hungry. He let them go. He knew that the babies were crying. He knew that they were hungry. And he says, here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to let you wait for a few days. Because I want to teach you something. See, storms are designed. If you're a believer walking with God, nothing in your life happened by accident. Amen? Amen. So that means that God is teaching you something in the storm. And if you don't have the right perspective, you will jump off the boat too quick. And I've learned something. Whenever you jump off the boat too quick, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in another storm. And the lightning is going to flash. And you're going to say, I remember when I still got to go through this because storms are designed to make us better, to make us stronger. And so God is in control and God is letting me go through these problems. Give you another example before we go into our foundational text. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians, I believe. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verses 7 through 10. If you're there, I want you to turn your Bibles with me if you can. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. How many of you know that if anybody can pray and get God's attention, it might be the Apostle Paul? (laughs) If anybody could change God's mind through prayer, that it just might be the Apostle Paul. But look what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verses 7 through 10. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud. You know, everybody got an ounce of pride in them. You know that, don't you? And God will always keep you humble. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. All right? He didn't just say, Lord, just take it away. He begged the Lord. That means that that brother had some intense prayer about this situation. He was seriously seeking God to take away the thorn. Now, many don't know, many scholars, they try to speculate. Some think there was some kind of physical ailment, problem with their eyes, whatever. We don't know what it was, but whatever it was, Paul said, I need to get out of this because I can do better, God, preaching the gospel if I don't got this issue. If I don't have this problem, whatever that thorn is, what is your thorn? That you're asking God to take away. And you're thinking that I can do much better without this thorn. But let me show you what God said to Paul. And let's go back to verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, here's what he said. My grace is all you need. Or in King James Version, sufficient for thee. My power works best 
in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why, watch this, I take pleasures in my weaknesses. <laughs> and in insults, how many of you ever been insulted? Paul said, I, I, I like being insulted. But how do you know that brother was deep? Because most of y'all ain't there and you know it. He said, and in insult and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul found, figured this thing out. He said, like many of us, God, take this away from me. I don't want to go through this problem. And God, God, God says sometimes, a lot of times you'll say, my grace is sufficient. And, and, and you're going to get through this. No, God, I can't go through this. God, you know I can't take another minute of this, God. I can't go through this. God said, oh, yes, you can. My grace. My grace is sufficient. Grace. How many of you want grace power? Where well, you want God's grace to everybody here. You say, oh, I want God's grace in my life. But well, here's where God's grace works best. When you're at your weakest point, where you feel like you can't go on. When you feel like that you're at the end and you don't know where to go. How many of you have ever felt like you got no gas in the tank left? And you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this no more. Can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, God, this is enough. I, I've been going through this for a year, for two years, for five years, for ten years. God, I can't do it no more. And, and God, will you please take it away because I know you can. And God says, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient if you learn to trust in my grace. I'm going to get you through this. And when you get through this, I'm going to make a testimony out of your life. Oh, I want to be used by God. I want God. And we say that a lot. God, use me. Okay. You want me to use you? Bible says, that when Jesus hung on the cross, the scripture said that it pleased the father to bruise him. God looked at that and said, that's what I want right there. It pleased God to bruise him. God's purposes are deep. He's, Paul says, I figured this thing out. That, that when I can't do it, that's where I want to be. So whenever God calls you to do something, or cause you to go through something. It's when at that moment when you feel like I can't do it. That's the moment you need to rejoice and say hallelujah. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Because now I'm weak. I can't do this myself. I can't get out of this. I can't get over. I can't get under. God's going to have to do this for me. Through me. Great God. Will you give me that grace power that Paul talked about? I, I want that same kind of grace power that the apostle Paul talked about. Paul said, I realize now that at my weakest point when I am there, that's when God comes in. So he says, brother, you know what? I'm glad when people insult me. I'm glad. I, I take pleasure in my, he didn't, I don't believe Paul said that just because it sounded theologically cute. I believe that Paul really felt like Brother, you know, how many of you are glad when people insult you? How many of you are glad about persecution? No. Most of us would be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you insult me? What? I don't think so. Paul says, 
See, Paul was being insulted and being beaten and going through all this, trying to preach the gospel. Paul says, you know what? Do whatever you want to do to me. You know, that'll free you up to witness, won't it? Well, I'm scared to witness. I'm just not a people person. What, what, what's that? You remember Moses? I can't talk that well. God looked at Excuse me? Did I not, like, create you? Did I, like, have something to do with your mouth? Are you telling me what you can't do? Do you not understand anything ever been about you? If I call you, I'll equip you. I'll give you the grace to do what you can't do. Don't ever tell God what you can't do. If the moment needs you to move in the anointing, you better be ready to move in the anointing. Whatever the anointing, whatever the moment calls for, I want to have my, I'm not a handy guy, a handyman, but I, I, I know a little bit because they come to my house because I, I hire them to do the work. But, but they got all kind of stuff. And I like the handyman's. You know, a handyman is what he was really saying. We say he's a handyman. I don't. I can do everything. Whatever it is, whatever you need. What else you got in your house? You need me to fix. I can go fix that too. We need to be equipped that whatever the moment calls for, that we're anointed enough and we're ready to be used by God. But we got so many hangups because we keep talking about how weak we are and what we can't do. You can go through your problem and come out victorious if you know that your God is working in and through you to do what you say you can't do. But what God wants us to know is it ain't ever been about us in the first place because it's bigger than that. The anointing we talk about, that's what the anointing does. It empowers you for the moment. But when you're free and you don't care, don't worry about that. If, you don't, if you're free and you don't care about people or what they say or what they think, you know what? You can walk up to people and tell them all about Jesus. You can walk up to people. You can lay hands on people right in the grocery store and watch people call you nuts. But most of us are scared to do it. We talk anointing and we only get happy in church, but we won't get happy out there. Because we're afraid, Paul says, I become a fool for Christ. You see, when you get freed up, that, 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 that you know that it's God working through, you can do anything that the moment calls for. Because you really, so you need to come to a place in your life with God. Watch this. I don't mean this in the wrong way. You need to come to a place where you just don't care. I mean, we just, but see, we keep holding on because in this Western culture, our, our Christianity is just, Jaded. It ain't, you know, it's hard to get people to want to go knock on the door. And I see Mormons and, and, and Jehovah Witnesses going out sharing the gospel. And you can't get believers to, 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 to do nothing because, I, I, I'm the, you know, it's not that appealing to me. What are you living for? Won't you ask God to take you to heaven if you don't want to work? God saved you. For a purpose. He didn't save you to occupy, sit in the seat, and thank him that you saved and you're going to heaven. Because if that was all it was all about, he'd just check you out long. Just pray it. If you, don't, if you want to go, if you, if you say, I ain't going to do nothing for God, come up here at the end of the service, and I, I got some on oil. We'll just pray you go to heaven. I'm being, you know, facetious a little bit. But, but that's how we think. It, you know, Paul says, I'm, I mean, I'm at my weakest point. And so let's fast forward. Let's go to the story. Here, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter number 4. 
if you're there. I want you to go there if you haven't, if you've moved. But Mark chapter number four, it's a fascinating insight. You know, nothing is in the Bible by accident. You know, everything God, God, God's always teaching us something. You got to understand that everything that happens in your life, God is teaching. And so when, when he talks about these parables and, and he shares all of these things, you know, and, and we read about these things in the word of God, he, he's teaching us something. So, so here's the disciples. Now, let's look at this a little bit. Here are the, the disciples there in the boat. And Jesus said, OK, here's what we need to do. Uh, let us go over to the other side. All right. He says in verse 35. He said, let's cross over to the other side. How many know that? Here's what you got to understand. That if Jesus says you're going to make it to the other side, how many know you're going to make it? Now, here's the problem. Between where you are now and the other side, there's that stuff (laughs) that nobody likes. It's the stuff that God don't even really talk about. He just says the just shall live by faith. He says, Trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. It's the stuff, the suffering, it's the hardship, it's the difficulty that he don't tell you about. But he said we're going to get to the other side. But boy, when the trial comes, when the difficulty comes, we start to doubt whether or not I'm really going to get over there. I know you said, Lord, that you will supply my need. I'm not really sure. I, I, I know you said, Lord, what you would do. But, but right now, the way it looks to me right now, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the other side. If Jesus says you're going to make it to the other side, you got to know you're going to make it. Watch this. The storm came without warning. We already talked about that, right? The storm arose. All right? That's how life happens. I was talking to somebody one day, and we were having this conversation, and we just basically came down to it. Life happens. Things happen accident. Accidents happen. People, I was listening to a pastor this morning who was talking about how that uh, last year there's one of their pastors uh, died, 15 months ago, then that pastor's son, who was about to get married, he was shooting basketball with on a Friday. He's 29 years old. This pastor's getting ready to marry him, and he dies in his sleep. And he said, I had no idea playing basketball with him that the, that was the last time that I would see him. He shoot, he's shooting basketball. The next day, 29 years of age, He's dead. How many know that's the storm? And they come just like that. A lot of times they come without warning. That's why you better enjoy every day that God gives you. That's why you will learn how to appreciate your spouse, learn how to appreciate those that you love, because you don't know when your time is up. And so storms come. A financial, you you get bad news. You you go to the doctor, you think, I'm just going to have a physical. And doctors tell you you got cancer, you got six months to live. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do when, 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 when that news comes? And now, now, we're not hoping these things happen. I'm just, I'm just preaching where we live. Because all of us, this is what we deal with. This is, what, this is what people don't like to preach about because it don't draw the crowds. You follow me? It don't draw the crowds. See, this kind of preacher don't draw the crowd. You want a preacher to tell you that it ain't going to ever come nigh your dwelling. Now, we should confess that. We should pray that. But 
Life happens. Does that mean that God has taken a vacation? Does that mean that somehow God ain't with you no more just because you got bad news from a doctor? What are you going to do? Are you going to panic? And assume that my life is over now because, you know, this is what the, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to lose faith? Are you going to lose hope in God? Are you going to stop praying? Are you going to stop coming to church? What are you going to do? Sometimes the storms make us feel like we're going under. Look, 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 at, look, at, look at verse number 37 of Mark chapter 4. But soon a fierce storm came up. Highways were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. Okay. Now I know this is not just I mean, this is getting bad because now the storm has been tossed in the boat all around. But now water is in the boat. And the way it looks to me. This thing is going down. I'm not going to we're not going to be able, something got to happen because it's going down, and some and things happen in our life. And we think to ourselves for a moment. You know what? Uh, uh, this looked like everything. Everything about this looked like I'm going down. It, 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 this this looked like I'm not going to make it because, Pastor, I got water in the boat, Pastor. You don't understand. I know you say you got to believe in God. You got to hold on. But, Pastor, you don't understand. There's water in my boat. Pastor, there's water. But can't you see there's water in my boat? Look at this. I'm going under. I'm losing it. I can't. This thing is it's going under. This is what the disciples are saying. They're like, no, no, not only has the storm come, but boy, it's gotten really, really bad. Because I, I feel like I'm going to sink. And sometimes what we want to do is, at that moment, here's what a lot of us do. We jump out of the boat, we panic, and then we start making decisions in the flesh. And what do I, what I mean by that? When you're going through a hard situation, a tough then, and God ain't moving quick enough for you, the tendency is, I'm going to take this thing by the neck and I'm going to do. And some of us, we jump out of the boat. I ain't going to pray. I ain't going to go to church. I'm going to stay. I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to just take control whatever I got to do. Like Malcolm X used to say, by any means necessary. And you start to take matters into your own hands because you, what you're really saying to God is, God, I don't really believe you're going to pull this off, so I got to do something. So we want to jump out of the boat. I'm, I'm out of here. Did God tell you to leave? Did God tell you to jump out of the boat? You know, most scriptures I read in the Bible talks about enduring. Most scriptures in the Bible talk about going through. But boy, at the moment when we are about to go through, it's like, oh, no, I ain't going through that because I want a bed of ease. I want this thing to be like, no, no, no. God ain't called me to that. It's amazing how many times per year people say what God called them to. God ain't called. Do you know God called you to suffer? That's one of your callings as a Christian. Now, some of you are like, First Peter says that we're to suffer. Just like Christ did. 
That's a calling. Look, watch this. That's the anointing. Do you really want to be anointed? Jesus demonstrated how we should respond in the song. Look at verse 38. Now, now, I want you to hear this. This, is, this drives me nuts. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. Now, first of all, where was Jesus? He was in the boat, right? He was with them, right? But they don't feel like he's really with them, right? How many of you have gone through something? It don't feel like God is really with you. And the disciples woke him up, shouting. They didn't just say, Jesus, can you wake up? No, I'm willing to bet that they had grabbed him, pulled him, almost snatched his arms out of socket. Shouting, wake up, wake up. We're about to go under. Where you at, Jesus? Where you at? And where are you? For proper English, I'm sorry. <laughs> Every now and then, a little bit of my country in this come out. Hallelujah. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? Don't you care? Why? You know why they're saying that to Jesus? Because they know, they've been around him long enough to know he did mir- he'd done miracles. And they're saying to him, don't you care? Because if you really cared, why are you asleep? Now, Jesus wasn't just asleep. Jesus was asleep with a pillow. I mean, he is asleep. Everybody is awoke and that boat is about to capsize and Jesus got a pillow and they have to wake him up. But you know what woke him up? It's when they said this. Do you not care? Boy, that got him. That got him up. Because many of us say that sometimes. God, don't you, don't you care? You care that I'm going through this, right, God? Don't you care that, 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 that my, my, my husband left me, my wife left me? Don't, don't, you, don't you care that I, I can't pay my bills, God? Uh, don't you care, God, that I'm sick, I'm throwing up every day? Uh, my hair is falling out. This chemo is killing me. God, don't you care that I go to the grocery store? I don't have enough money to put food on my table. I can't even pay my electric bill. Don't you care, God, about any? God, don't you have a do you care? Why are you just sitting there when you can fix it? What are you doing? Because sometimes it seems like it seems like he's not there. But he was there all the time. And when they said to him, carest thou, and and I like the King James version. I'm King Jamie today. I should have, carest thou not. I can do a sermon on that, carest thou not. But it's when they said that that Jesus jumped up and he said, peace, be still. It's as if he was saying, Don't you ever question whether or not I care about your problem. I told you that every hair on your head is numbered. How dare you ask me? How dare you ask me if I care? I died for you. I left heaven for you. I saved you. I washed you in my blood. I called you out of darkness into 
my marvelous light. I gave you a hope. I gave you a future. And you ask me just because you're going through a storm whether or not I care? I told you in this world you will have trouble. I already told you that. Why are you acting like it ain't supposed to happen to you? 1 Peter 4, 12. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that come upon you for your testing. But we think it's strange. And Jesus is saying, I've been with you all along. And he demonstrates his power. And what Jesus was saying to them, he's saying to us, at any moment, I could have fixed it so if I wanted to, that you don't go through the storm. But if I ordained you to go through the storm, I'll give you the grace to get through it. What's the problem? You said you love me. You said, said, Lord, use me. So I'm ordaining you to go through this storm. I want you to go through this. I want to give you the grace to go through it. So why are you tripping now? Because you're going through something. Yeah, Lord, but it's been a long time. So what? You got eternity. You think this will fill up the church real quick? We're struggling with that now, but I'm really ain't helping the cause right now today. (laughs) But you know what? I'm preaching the truth because you're going to go through it. And you got to know that when you go through it, that he's with you. They marveled. Well, before I say that, listen to this. The Bible says there was a great calm when Jesus got up and spoke. You know, me and my wife used to have this saying that uh, this too shall pass. We used to always say that every time we go through a problem, we just look at each other and we just say, this too shall pass. I remember my mom, when she used to make us sit down and be quiet as if the lightning was going to come through the front door and find us in the room and around the bend, around the corner and strike us. But I remember that, that every time there was a storm, you know, it always ended. And at some point, the sun came out. You know the storm that you're going through? There's an end to it. There's a great calm. Jesus says, he he jumps up and he says, he says, peace be still. And the scripture says, everything stopped. And, And they look and they say, oh, my God, what kind of person is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. He's saying, I'm God Almighty. And the only reason why you're going through that storm is because I wanted you to go through it. Because I'm doing something in your life that is beyond what you can comprehend. But I'm setting you up to make you better, stronger, wiser. How many times, how many of you have been through trials and you come out, you're better, you're smarter. You make better decisions. You make better decisions with your relationship. You make better decisions with everything. Your finances, when you go through a storm, you make better decisions. Sometimes we only learn through storms because we're too thick-headed to learn any other way. We just are. And so the only way sometimes you're going to get what God want to get get you to, you're going to have to go through it. That's why he told the children of Israel, you're going to wander for 40 years. And he's always called them a stiff-necked people. That's what God called the Jews. He always said stiff-necked. They don't listen. Hard hit, so you're going to roam until you get it. Because what I'm doing in your life is going to make you better. And I tell you what, he was taking them to the promised land, 
But he said, before you go into the promised land, you got to know how to handle yourself when you get there. So I'm going to teach you to depend on me. So you never forget that. Always depend on me. When any time God senses that you think you can go outside of him, away, he's going to always do stuff to pull you back. To remind you that you can't do nothing without me. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.